Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Jets. We've got some fun analysis of the Atlantic Division offseason, seeing how most of the uh, the Atlantic side of the Eastern Conference is doing, what teams have improved, what teams have maybe stayed the same, and what exactly is going to happen with this division as the powers continue to shift uh, at the bottom and top. All coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's episode, I wanted to talk about the Atlantic Division. Uh, past couple of days, we've been doing some analysis on um, NHL team off-seasons, uh, whether it's acquisitions, maybe free agent signings, coaching staff moves, all of that stuff that kind of melds in together uh, as part of a, a team's off-season and changes to their offices and, and whatnot. So, uh, obviously, we've talked about the Central. We talked at the, about the Pacific Division as well. And this time, I wanted to focus on the Atlantic. Before we get there, though, just a brief update. Uh, I haven't really been watching the World Juniors too closely for uh, a variety of reasons I'm sure you can understand. Um, but uh, for Jets fans, there probably is some exciting news. Uh, Brad Lambert and uh, Daniel Torgerson have both been playing, and Lambert actually scored a goal for Finland. Uh, Torgerson, I believe, had a brace earlier today. Um didn't get a chance to see too, too much of either of these guys. Uh, Lambert's goal was a nice one-timer, if I recall correctly, on the power play. And Torgerson had a nice net front presence to sort of uh, deflect and shovel stuff in. So uh, both of these guys I'm kind of excited about longer term. Torgerson, I feel like, is a player who maybe hasn't really gotten that much attention because, you know, kind of like a, maybe Luke Greener or David Gustafson, you know, both have had some injury issues over the past couple of seasons and Torgerson in particular had one that was uh, serious enough to sideline him for a pretty extended period of time. But he's back and playing for Team Sweden. He seems like he's having a, a good time. And honestly, if he could have a really big showing in camp and maybe force his way into the bottom six, I think that would be really ideal. Do I think that's likely? Probably not. Uh, my guess is he'll probably either be with the Moose or uh, go back to, to Sweden, I think he was, or Liga. I forget which um, league he's currently with. I want to say it's the Swedish League. But my guess is he will uh, join up with the Moose this year, which would be awesome. I think that's about time. And uh, honestly, I think he's got some really fun skill sets that, quite honestly, the Jets don't have that much of. Now, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the tournament. I'm not going to, again, watch it too closely, but I will try and get some thoughts on some of the Jets' prospects when they are in action. Circling back to the Atlantic division, though, obviously the, you know, the, the, the Atlantic this year, it's going through some changes. And I think a lot of folks are kind of curious to know which of these teams might be on the path towards longer-term success, and which ones maybe eh, haven't really changed much. I think on the side of not really changing much, 
I'm kind of looking at the Boston Bruins. Um, Boston is kind of an in- interesting spot here, having fired um, uh, Bruce Cassidy and bringing in Jim Montgomery. Now, I think Montgomery is actually going to be a pretty good coach for this team. I don't know how much better he'll be uh, versus Cassidy. I think Cassidy had some issues with maybe having a slightly vanilla offensive approach. Now, I, I think his defensive presence and, and tactical approach there really did a good job with the team. But, you know, the Bruins probably are wanting to maybe push the offensive uh, barrier just a little bit more this year. Now, looking at their roster and some of the changes, uh, Krejci's coming back, which is, I guess, fun for fans. Bergeron is back on a one-year deal. Um, they've also brought in Pavel Zacha, which, I, I mean, I think Zacha's maybe been a little bit misunderstood throughout his career. I like him in a very depth role as like a sort of shutdown center, but you just kind of have to understand that beyond that, you're not really looking for more um, out of him. Aside from that, though, they didn't really have too much else going on. Uh, Their draft was just okay. I thought nothing too crazy. Uh, And most of the signings that they've made in free agency and whatnot are by and large on the more minor minor league side and and depth player side. You know, Vinny Letary, Connor Carrick, uh, nothing too crazy here. Mostly just depth moves, um, aside from Zacha and Krejci. Yeah, I, I guess Boston at this point is just kind of trying to prepare for the longer-term future, uh, one in which, in all likelihood, you know, they're going to have to rebuild pretty soon. I think Marchand is already expected to miss a few months of this season. So, yeah, I, I think the Bruins, they're not really looking to compete too crazily, but they're going to try for maybe one last push while they still can and see if they can at least put together a little bit of a fun run. But... My guess is they are, are very aware this core is is pretty close to over. So Bruins, uh, a, a rebuild point, I guess, very near in the future. Kind of like the Jets, but a lot older. I'm curious to know what they do with this whole team because this has been a core that's been around for what feels like an eternity. It's got some really great players, but, you know, the longer this goes on and the older, you know, Bergeron and Marchand get, there's the very real... Uh, possibility that this team just isn't going to be capable of anything more than maybe a a, a brief playoff appearance. So the Bruins will be one to keep an eye on, especially if they start jettisoning some players and talent, uh, especially younger guys that could maybe be part of a team's competitive core right now. Uh, Hint, hint, Jets, maybe to do some shopping and and keep your eyes open. But in the meantime, at least this team probably has had an offseason worthy of like, I guess, a C. I mean, they haven't really done much, so it's hard to, to be too positive or negative uh, on this team, maybe a B minus if you're being really generous. But yeah, overall, pretty quiet offseason for the Bruins. And I expect that their their more active sessions will probably be towards the trade deadline. Now, of course, there are many other teams in the Atlantic. Another one that starts with a B. We'll take a look at this team in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out one of one of our other wonderful partners. Uh, obviously, if you've heard me talk about uh, AG1 before, you know where this is going. But if you haven't, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I was looking for a boost for my immune system and something that didn't really set me back either calorically or with lots of weird chemicals and stuff. Because let's be real, a lot of nutritional health supplements tend to have lots of uh, unusual ingredients. I'm sure folks have seen some strange things on TikTok before, and you're probably hoping for something that's a little bit, you know, safer, a little bit more by the book and something that's super convenient. If you're wondering what Athletic Greens uh, AG1 product is, it's basically just one delicious scoop that you put into a, a, and, and mix into a glass of water, and it gives you 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, 
whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to kickstart your immune system and give you the insurance against you know all sorts of uh, health oddities and things that we're dealing with these days. Obviously, our, our immune systems are constantly under assault by lots of bacteria and viruses, and it's really important now more than ever to fortify yourself and give yourself the best chance at fending off all of it. Now, if you're wondering why you should choose AG1 over other products, well, for one thing, like I said, it's super convenient and very easy to use. You just have to put a, one scoop in a, a glass of water, and it's pretty cheap, too. It's about $3 or less uh, per glass, which is a lot cheaper than a lot of the cold brews that folks are probably drinking. And again, it comes with uh, over 75 different vitamins and minerals, which means you don't have to take all these pills and stuff like you're probably used to. And there's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial sweeteners. They try to keep this as keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and dietary-friendly as possible so that you know, you're never having to worry about what's in it. And it's constantly a, a great product, a great habit to get into. And it's really healthy for you. So if uh, if you're ready to take the start of your journey right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your very first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are taking a brief look at uh, the Atlantic Division and trying to see what their offseason winners and losers are. Like I've mentioned before, we've talked about some other teams uh, out in the Western Conference. Now it's time to kind of pivot towards the East, because the East, I think, has probably had some of the most interesting changes. Now, Buffalo is a team that I think people should probably start paying attention to. I think that they had a great draft in getting uh, Matt Savoie, and uh, of, of course, they picked up Noah Oslin, who was another really popular prospect and somebody that I think a lot of people were maybe hoping might fall to the Jets. Um, Jerry Coolidge, I think, was pretty highly touted as well. Overall, everyone seems to be pretty happy with the, the players that they've selected, and I, I would agree. I think they got some really good guys. Aside from that, you know, they haven't really done <clears throat> a ton of crazy stuff. I will say that they probably picked up a really interesting goalie in Eric Comrie, of course. Uh, for us, it's a little bit sad. I think Comrie had a chance to maybe earn a bigger role with the Jets, but obviously Winnipeg wasn't really looking to pay him a lot. And, you know, now he's gotten to raise almost $2 million a season with the Sabres. So good for Comrie. Maybe he can prove that he's ready to be a starter. I know, for, you know, for a long time, a lot of us felt that he probably wasn't there. But, uh, you know, this is a guy that I, I, I really have always rooted for. And I think it'd be nice if he could really turn it around and find a steady team to really start for. Aside from that, they haven't really added a ton of players. Uh, they did bring back Lawrence Pilot, which I think is a really smart move. Pilot's a pretty great player and somebody that I think was maybe a little underutilized. Um, <clears throat> they've also got uh, Ilya Libushkin. Not really a big fan of Labushkin. I don't know if he's any good. Uh, last I recall with the Yotes, it was not exactly a great sample uh, size in return, but it is what it is. I guess their most high-profile contract extension was probably uh, Victor Olafsson, who is being paid two years uh, for nearly $10 million, so just under $5 million per season. That, for me, is a little bit much. Uh, not exactly a contract that I would be you know, dying for. But maybe it's meant to be traded because it's a, a short term. And if they eat some cap hit, 
uh, obviously this is not exactly a hard contract to move uh, on the two-year timetable. So overall, I would say that they probably have, um, after everything, a really good offseason, relatively speaking. You know, they don't have a lot of room to do some crazy stuff, but for what they've, you know, been been dealt with and and what the front office is trying to do with this team, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a solid B. I think that's pretty fair. Now, one of the other teams in the uh, Atlantic that I've maybe had a harder time trying to figure out is Detroit. I think the Red Wings are in a very strange spot. You know, unlike the Sabres, the Wings have maybe uh, <clears throat> been really aggressive in trying to change the roster and make very significant upgrades with active NHLers as well. You know, not just draft picks, but actually trying to build out something that can maybe be decent right now. I'll say that their draft, I thought, was very good. Uh, Marco Casper was a great pickup, and I think they got they also got some other really solid prospects overall. Um, but I think one of the most interesting things that they've they've gone with is bringing in Derek Lalonde for the head coaching position. Uh, Lalonde has been uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning recently, seemingly a highly touted prospect for coaching staffs, uh, especially as he's worked with uh, Steve Eiserman. So Stevie Y has probably had a, a better understanding of what he's like more than most others. It'll be interesting to see if Lalonde is capable of taking this team and elevating it because um, they've been very active in making trades and free agent acquisitions. You know, they brought in Billy Huso, who they signed to a longer term deal for three years. They brought in Andrew Kopp on a free agent deal. He signed a five-year contract. And then the most confusing one was probably Ben Sherratt for four years and at almost, uh, almost five million per season, which for me is pretty crazy money, but uh, whatever. I guess he was probably going to get overpaid. Might as well uh, get a four-year deal if he can. Congrats, Schrott. That's a really nice payday, and I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. A, a, a place to call home for a while, and certainly getting paid a good deal. They've also brought in Kubalik, uh, Peron, Zarnik, Mata, uh, Pizik. I mean, to me, I think that there's a lot of really good depth moves in here mixed with some players that I'm not really sure would improve the team. Um, Schrott, for me, obviously is a bit of a mixed bag, but you know, I guess Detroit's trying to push with what they have now. Obviously, uh, you know, they don't have many, many, many seasons left with um, Dylan Larkin being in his super prime. So I think they want to make the most of that and also help guys like Zadina get some more offensive support. You know, this is a team that uh, I, I think is going to be in the ascendancy pretty soon. It'll be curious to see how they handle things and how they avoid, hopefully, any sort of cap situations. But Iserman always loves to work himself out of a jam. So We'll see. This team has an interesting one, uh, an interesting future ahead. Probably give their offseason a B as well. I think it's been solid, uh, barring the Chirac contract, which I think kind of offsets a lot of the good moves that they've made. But, you know, teams love overpaying defenders all the time, so I don't know how much I can really hold that against them. But uh, I guess compared to the next team that we're going to talk about, Detroit's probably having a great one because this next team has had some rather questionable moves, especially given where they were before. Before we talk about this team, though, I do want to shout out our wonderful friends at BetOnline.net. They are the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games with BetOnline.net. You can find reviews and news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL Football, NBA Basketball, NHL Hockey, Combat Sports, Esports, Golf, Triple Crown Horse Racing, 
whatever it is that you're into, Bet Online probably has you covered, including stuff like auto sports and everything in between. They've got a really great variety of sports coverage, and they're not just trying to be an online betting site. They've also got podcasts, uh, league news and updates, live scores, and everything to keep you up to date on the latest and greatest in your favorite sports, just like our podcast. So be sure to check them out. They've also got Vegas Yusito games if you don't like sports, which if you don't like sports, I don't know why you're listening to me, but <laughs> all the same, thank you. But uh, they, they, they've got something for everyone, and they continue to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting to scores, podcasts, and everything in between. Getting started really couldn't be easier. Just go to betonline.net to register for a free account on your mobile device and get in on all of the action happening right now, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we're not going to get through all of the Atlantic Conference teams. We'll probably have a few more uh, teams to cover on our next episode, which will be coming out on Friday. Obviously, we're, we're trying to get through some of these off seasons and unpack what these teams have been up to, up to because this offseason has been, well, relatively chaotic for a lot of teams. And I think that's especially true of the Florida Panthers. Florida, you know, in acquiring Matthew Tuchuk, I think really made a power move. The question with that, I think, is, you know, given what they've surrendered in, in Uyghur, Huberto, and Schwint, uh, or Schwint, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I'm used to saying stuff in, like, German, so apologies. Um, but that's a lot of value for what Tuchuk brings. Now, I, I think Tuchuk is worth a package like that on most teams, right? Because Tuchuk is truly one of the greatest playmakers and attackers out there. But with where the Panthers are, I, I sort of wonder, you know, long-term, right? They just lost one of their top defenders, and now they don't have a, a particularly great blue line. And, you know, for all the value that Tuchuk brings, does it supplant, you know, the the quality that they gave up? And I, I don't know that, to be honest. Uh, it is nice to have more value in one position at times because you can use um, other roster spots for, for additional quality players. But, you know, given that the Panthers probably don't have that much cap space to work with, I don't know how that'll work. Um, aside from that, I mean, they've, they've made some interesting, I guess, nice punt, uh, signings. I think one of the biggest ones is, uh, you know, for me, Rudolph Spousers, I would have loved having him with the jets, but, uh, he ended up going to Florida. Suppose I can't really argue against that. And they've made lots of solid depth signings. Our boy Batetto is, uh, is, is signing there now, which is pretty fun. Chris Tierney, Michael Dozato also coming in to join the team. Uh, most of these guys are probably not going to get a lot of NHL time, but, you know, for this team, which has already been at the level of a cup contender, they're just trying to figure out what's kind of holding them back and, and working on those depth reserves. I don't know. I, I feel like the whole Paul Maurice change in coaching staff is probably the single reason that I kind of have knocked down their, their offseason grade. I think that for me, it's like a C plus to a B minus. I, I think with the coaching staff changes that they've made and some of the assistant coaches that have been announced, yeah, I, I just don't know. You know, there's a version of Maurice with this team that kind of looks more like the 2017-2018 Jets, and there's also the uh, potential situation of them looking more like the Jets of the last few years. So, yeah, mixed bag of an offseason when you've already had such a high point and, you know, you can basically only come down from there. I don't know if I'm super jazzed about their choices, but hey, you know, this is a very successful organization recently, so we'll see if it pans out, and I'm sure some folks in, in Winnipeg are hoping that Maurice finally captures lightning in a bottle and uh, shows us all up. 
Now, aside from that, you know, you've also got another team that's been really active. And I think this team maybe caught some people by surprise. Uh, Those of us who have maybe speculated that, you know, the ownership was a reason the front office always felt limited, probably feel slightly more vindicated now. I think we've seen with Pierre Dorian uh, and the Ottawa Senators that his vision for the team is a lot more open-ended than I think what Eugene Melnick felt he could accomplish uh, given what he felt were the financial um, restrictions. Now that the shackles have essentially come off of Dorian, he's really going for it. Uh, He's brought in Claude Giroux on a three-year deal. Uh, He's traded um, for Cam Talbot, which, I mean, is a choice you could make. I think it's just to kind of replace Matt Murray, who got shipped off to Toronto. And, you know, they've also, you know, signed Matthew Joseph for like four years at almost a a little over or, or just around three million per season, which is, you know, decently expensive. And they've brought in a number of depth players. They also signed Josh Norris to an eight year deal. A lot of like crazy moves mixed in with like a lot of smaller moves. Yeah. Interesting, interesting team. But I think, you know, the biggest thing that they did, of course, was bringing in Alex Dabrinkit. The Dabrinkit trade, I think, is one that they're going to be super happy about. And Dabrinkit is obviously a phenomenal player. All of this stuff is seemingly trying to push the team in a more competitive direction, especially getting Norris under contract, bringing in more, you know, depth at the bottom of the roster and trying to push this team in some kind of a direction that's more washable. Do I think that they are in the best position to succeed as is? Um, Probably not. Uh, I I think that this team still has a ways to go, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, as far as like the Atlantic Division is concerned, they could maybe chew at the margins and try and, you know, go for a wild card spot. But aside from that, really hard uh, hard to see them making too, too much noise yet. But down the road, maybe. As far as the other teams are concerned, uh, you know, I I think we actually are going to get through the rest of them on this episode, and I'll try to keep it brief because I think most of these teams haven't done a crazy amount, uh, barring the Canadians. So we'll start off with with the Canadians, speaking of which. The Canadians have had a crazy offseason in some ways. Of course, they brought in Shlefkovsky with their first overall pick, which I think, you know, some folks are a little bit uh, a little bit confused by. I think Shlifkovsky's leadership and, and size and everything probably made him a very appealing option. Do I think it was the best choice with that pick? Um, I don't know. I think he doesn't really have the, the track record yet to truly uh, suggest that he was maybe the best choice at first overall. But if they want to kind of go forward and really chase uh, a, a player that they think could be a future captain, I could see why they would opt for him. He's somebody who apparently is uh, very much an active coach on the bench and seemingly loves having the leadership role. But aside from that, I think they actually had a pretty good draft. I mean, they got a lot of really interesting value players. Uh, Owen Beck, Philip Massar, Lane Hudson. Yeah, I mean, everything after the first overall pick, I think they could be pretty happy with. So in terms of their draft, probably like an A-. minus. Um, aside from that, they also, uh, of course, acquired Kirby Doc. Now, the Doc trade, yeah, uh, not really a big fan of Doc. I thought at one point he had a pretty bright future. It's dimmed a little bit. Uh, maybe he ends up converting some of the, some of his skill into more appreciable talent and something that is an impactful player on the ice for the Habs. But I have a hard time seeing that right now, given that you know the Hawks. He wasn't really able to accomplish a lot, even even on a team that's bad. You know, by his own personal standards, probably has some work to do to really round out his game. 
Aside from that, though, I think the other big move that's maybe gone a little bit under the radar is Jeff Petrie getting traded to Pittsburgh. This is actually a pretty notable loss. Uh, Ryan Paling was included in the deal, and coming back was Mike Matheson. I think for Montreal, Matheson is probably going to be a pretty solid player, but, you know, losing Jeff is a tough one. Paling, you know, he's, he's like a fine depth forward, probably nothing too crazy, but uh, Petrie definitely still a great top four defender, just a bit old, and I think that that's probably uh, one of the biggest things there. So overall grade for the offseason, probably a B-plus, I would say. B-plus, A-minus, I think, for the Habs. Uh, they are seemingly on a better track going forward, and we'll see if Marty Saint-Louis is the guy to coach this team to greatness. But yeah, you know, given some of the other off-seasons we've seen, it's it's not been bad. And now they're trying to chase, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois. So yeah, interesting team to keep an eye on, and we'll see how the rebuild progresses over the next few years. Now, the last two teams that we're going to take a look at, uh, not really a lot going on with them, generally speaking. For Tampa Bay, it's mostly just been really big contract extensions. They signed, uh, you know, Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli to eight-year deals, which, uh, yeah, okay. Eric Sarnak also signed to an eight-year deal. They just kind of seemingly love to give really long contracts to younger players here on this team that they feel are cornerstones of the franchise. I am curious to know if they're eventually going to run into maybe some of those cap issues that have continually haunted the Eiserman era. Uh, you know, now that he's not here, they've seemingly still managed to work themselves out of it. But aside from that, you know, not really much else going on with them. I mean, they're they're kind of at a level where they have to keep this competitive window as, as open as possible. And I think guys like Isaac Howard that they took in the draft might be able to extend that. But, you know, they're, they're really trying to push and hope for a, a cup again sometime in the near future. But, you know, as this team ages out, we'll see how likely that is. But when you've already won so many titles recently and you're at such a high point at this rate, the only thing you can do is try and plug those gaps with uh, cost-efficient players that can still provide good value and keep your competitive window open. Now, the last team that we'll take, take a look at has also not really been up to a ton. Uh, this is, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They didn't really have a lot to do either. I think that they were sort of at the point where, you know, there was only one real issue with the team that they felt uh, could be addressed, and that was probably goaltending, right? You know, they traded for um, Matt Murray, which is an interesting choice. Uh, they also signed Ilya Samsonov, another interesting choice. Choice Samsonov is kind of an interesting gamble if he can ever recover his form under maybe some goal uh, goaltending instruction and stuff, but uh, Matt Murray, this feels like a really boom or bust goaltending duo. So we'll see how it pans out. I mean, goaltending for them has always been very average. And, you know, I didn't really think that Jack Campbell was the guy going forward, but I also can't tell you with any confidence that Murray and Samsonov are going to be appreciably better. They might, but it's a very, very, very risky bridge. Uh, the only other real big note of, of, or move of note was probably bringing in Kelly Yarncroft, but Again, not really something that I think really moves the needle for this team because they were already so good offensively and their defense was much improved. So at this point, they just need to have a few extra saves and they'll probably be in much better straights. Aside from that, though, uh, maybe an underrated acquisition is Victor Mete. I'm curious to see how Mete kind of slides in on that defense. Uh, he probably will be used more on the third pairing, but maybe he gets an elevated role. 
this is probably one of his last chances to really secure a full-time spot because he just keeps getting passed around and no one really seems too keen on keeping him. Um, but yeah, overall, I think that the Leafs didn't really have to do a lot and they made some moves, uh, given the riskiness of their, their goaltending venture, I'm going to give them probably he, uh, a, a B minus, I think. And that might be a little generous. Um, yeah, a B minus. It, it just doesn't really feel like Murray and Samsonov are going to be what saves this team, but Hey, maybe it's an improvement on what they feel they already have. So keep an eye on them and see what they do but of course you know we've got our own jets hockey to worry about and the lack of free agents coming into the jets right now i'm sure is troubling most of us but you know we'll keep an eye out for the jets and see if they do anything hopefully we at least get some kind of a trade or or a free agent acquisition so that i can give them a more positive off-season review because as it is it definitely sucks but uh yeah i'd be curious to know how you feel about the atlantic division so far what do you think of the teams that are taking shape which ones do you think might have a shot at the Stanley Cup? Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. And uh, again, as always, thank you for your support. And before you head out, um, obviously, we want you to check out and make your second listen, Lockdown NHL. Our experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the world of hockey with Locked on NHL on your favorite podcasting platforms of choice. As always, thanks again for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.